0: I bring grace to you and peace from God our Father, through our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. This is no Ordinary Sunday, even if you are listening to this digital worship service or watching it on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. This is still no Ordinary Sunday. And that's the joy of Easter, is that when they woke up that first Easter morning, those women, the apostles, his followers, when they woke up, they thought this is just going to be a regular Sunday, the first day of the week in the Jewish calendar. They thought it was going to be a regular Sunday where they were going to go to a tomb, and they were going to find a body that had been executed, and they were going to prepare it and do other stuff in order to honor the one who had died. That's all they thought. They thought they were going to go through their Sunday morning in a very ritualized, normal, human way, even though it was so clouded with utter sadness. And yet, the fact of the matter is, Easter was to be no ordinary Sunday. Hey, but before we get to that part of the story, let me just ask you a question. Have you ever had the sense in your soul that he is not here? That God is not present? That maybe even you would go so far sinfully to say God doesn't even exist at all. You know, in the whole world of philosophy, that's called secular materialism. The idea that there is nothing more beyond That there is no spirituality, there is no heaven, there is no God, there aren't angels or demons or anything else. The only thing we have here is utter materiality, molecules, quarks, all the stuff that we manufacture the things we live with. That's the only thing that exists, this material world, and therefore we are nothing but a secular society. We are just here today, politically active and doing our thing, and we are gone tomorrow, and we hope the next generation has fun while, while we push up daisies or feed worms. Uh, it's a pretty startling talk from a pastor. I understand that, and I recognize that I might have just upset some of your apple carts. I I completely understand that. But, you know, if we're really honest, there are moments in all of our lives where, like the apostles who walked with Jesus, we will say, Lord, I I do believe, but help me in my unbelieving. Who, like Thomas, after the resurrection said, Or says, we say, I will not believe until I see the material evidence that Jesus Christ is risen from the grave. We all struggle with this. Every one of us has a level of doubt that is active in our hearts. And so when we read those words in Luke chapter 24, he is not here, we say, hey, I I know that. I've said that about 17 times today, in the past 24 hours. That has been maybe not on my lips, but it certainly has been in my heart. As I watch Ukraine war on the news, I see the the genocide going on in Bucha and Mariupol. When I hear about wars and rumors of war, even here in America, I see and hear conspiracy theories or maybe even participate in some of them. I understand that there is something going on in this world that causes me to question whether or not a God even exists at all. Um, By the way, this is not unlike what Matthew, Mark, Luke and John and Paul were dealing with in the decades following the actual resurrection of Jesus Christ. They were living in a time for 10, 20, 30, 40 years in some cases, maybe even a little bit more, depending on when John, the apostle, wrote the book of Revelation. They were living in a period of time with every successive and passing year, they would scratch their head and say, where is he? He was supposed to come back. He was supposed to come and bring us to where he's at, the mansions that he was preparing, allegedly, for us. And he has not only not come back, he is evidently not here. What are we to do? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Paul, James, Peter, the writers of the New Testament, they all struggled in their own very, very pronounced ways with the reality of the statement that we read in Luke 24, He is not here. You see, I can't help but wonder when Luke was deciding what he was going to record and what he was not going to record, from all the events that happened on that not ordinary Sunday, the first day of the week, the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, I can't help but wonder if Luke decided, you know what? I'm going to make sure that I record the words of that angelic being to those three fearful women that were gathering there at the tomb, I'm going to make sure that I record his words because his words are really operative for the experience of the whole Christian church. He is not here on that first not ordinary Sunday, was replicated in a different way 30, 40 years beyond that as the church waited for the Lord Jesus Christ to return. And we're saying, but he's not here, which is replicated millennia into the future as we in the 21st century still scratch our heads and say, where is he? He is not here. So what do we do? What do we do? When you and I feel like in 2022, he is not here. What do we think the disciples were doing 30, 40 years beyond the actual day of resurrection when they were saying, under immense persecution, growing disfavor in their societies, that he is not Here, what do you think the women were doing when they first heard that very pregnant first statement, he is not here, boom, period, before they got to the second line, he has risen? Well, we are afraid. We doubt. We may replace some of that fear and doubt with not healthy things, drinking, drugs, Greed, covetousness, materiality, getting things to ourselves to make us feel better. We may do all kinds of things in order to fill up that heartache that comes with the statement, He is not here. But what does God, through His angels, give to those women that they so desperately need in order to get through the next five minutes, much less the rest of their lives, much less any of us who are living twenty-two centuries later. He gives that great phrase, He has risen. He ties the faith of those women to the historical videotape of the Lord Jesus Christ coming out of the tomb, and the Lord Jesus Christ, make no mistake about it, actually shows himself alive after being crucified. You see, this is how God does his business, and it is how the church has consoled itself through the years. When we get bogged down in secular materialism, when we get lost in the notion that there is nothing more beyond that, we are only here to breathe for a certain span of years, and then we push up daisies or feed the worms in our caskets in the ground, while we get lost in all of that, the scriptures invite us to say, He is not here. That's true. It was true then, it's true today, and yet we also confidently say on this not-so-ordinary Sunday, along with Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, He has risen. You know, it's one of the odd little pieces of grammar. I'm a word nerd. Maybe you're playing Wordle these days, or Quartle, or, or you like Bananagrams, or, or whatever else. You've got Scrabble, these word games that we play. I, I love a good word game. And you know, in the church, there's certain words and phrases that we use that are sounding a little bit odd on the ear. One of those words or phrases that we often hear is the phrase, He is risen. Not that he rose, although he did. Not that he has risen, although that is also actually true. Not that he updone and rose, as they may say in more rural parts that I was born and raised in. No, no, no. He is risen. What is the odd intent of that very unique phrase? He is risen. It is to say that in this present moment of, what, uh, 930. 7 on the, what, 20, what's the date today, Matt? The 21st? The 21st, I was just talking to Matt McLean. Yay, Matt McLean. Uh, The 21st of April, and we're in 2022 still, right? Yeah, we are. So on this particular day, at this particular moment, is it true that currently he is in a resurrected, victorious state? the answer is yes. <laughs> he is risen. It's not just something that is confined to the past. It is not just something that is an abstraction that we think about. Um, he, he rose in the past. He's, he's a risen person, you know, but in, in some metaphorical way. No, no, no. The early church from the earliest days, would greet each other with the phrase, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. And by doing so, they confirm what the angels have said. That this Jesus, who was crucified and died and laid in a tomb, has now not only got up, but continues to exercise lordship over his church and that life that he has been blessed with on Easter morning will never be taken from him again. You see, Easter is not just not an ordinary Sunday. Easter means that every day we live—Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday and Sunday—are not ordinary either. They're not ordinary because we know that He is here. He is truly present with us. How do we know this? Because He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Your sins are forgiven. Your purpose is in this life is secured. Your heavenly home, that mansion that Christ has gone away to prepare for you, it is being prepared. You have a future beyond this material plane in which we live. That war taking place over in Ukraine where so many atrocities and human sufferings are taking place, there is the Lord Christ even in the midst of that. There are Christians there who are contending for the faith of Jesus even while there are civil military people at work in that environment who are contend- contending for the freedom of the Ukrainian nation. All of those things are simultaneously true. Why is that? Because Jesus lives. The victory has been won. He is risen. And on this not-so-ordinary Sunday, He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.